Hi, and welcome to the Yak Fantasy Football Podcast. Yak isn't yakking like talking too much, and also like yards after catch. It's a double entendre, guys. I'm Ted, and today we're going to talk about what happened during the first week of the NFL season and in fantasy on the whole. I'm going to roll with a different format here in the regular season, but it'll stay mostly the same week to week from here on out. I'm going to go through my studs and duds from every game. I'm going to pick one from each team for both. And I may have a few honorable mentions in there along the way. And I'll also mention any guys that you might want to think about grabbing off of waivers. I'm going to call those my waiver warriors. Uh, And those will mostly be guys that could be available in deeper dynasty or keeper leagues. I watched as much as I could from every game through NFL Red Zone 2, so I'm not just going to box score watch here. But with that out of the way, let's get into it, and we're going to start with the first game of the week, and that was Detroit and Kansas City. So my studs for this game were Amon Ross St. Brown and Rasheed Rice. Starting with Amon Ross St. Brown, he picked up right where he left off. He was fantastic in this game, and... He won his routes, he caught everything that was within his, within his vicinity, and was just the exact guy you were hoping for, and he probably met somewhere between his floor and his ceiling in this game, and he's just so consistent week in and week out, he's the number one option in that offense, and you can't go wrong with him. And then Rasheed Rice, I really like what I saw from him in this game. He was probably the most reliable and consistent receiver in this game. I do have some questions about how exactly he got open because a couple of the passes he caught, he ended up getting open late in the pass. But regardless of that, uh, he looked explosive when he had the ball for yards after catch opportunities and he had the touchdown that at least kept the game close between Detroit and Kansas City. So I like the trajectory there for Rasheed Rice. And again, Amara St. Brown was fantastic. By the way, I'm just going to try to pick some guys here for the studs that are kind of out of the ordinary, not necessarily the guys you expect to be a stud week in and week out. But for the duds, I will lean into a lot of the guys that you expect to be studs and ended up really having bad performances. Anyway, let's get into the duds in this game. And the first one for this game for me is Kadarius Toney and then Marvin Jones for the Lions. So Kadarius Toney, he had... One reception on five targets for one yard, one carry for negative one yard. And that sounds bad, and it looked even worse when you watched it. He had several balls hit his hands. I think he dropped three passes total, and one of them bounced right off his hands, a perfect pass for a pick six, and that was the difference in this ball game. He was absolutely horrendous. Um, I've always thought that Tony has been living off of one really good game with the Giants and then the punt return in the Super Bowl for Kansas City last year. And he's done nothing, granted it's only one game, but definitely has done nothing so far to sway me off that opinion. And then Marvin Jones, kind of looking a little washed here. So he had two receptions on six targets for only eight yards and he had a fumble lost in this game. And, you know, he just looked like a he wasn't on the same page with Jared Goff a lot of the times but also that he just didn't have the speed to correctly make his breaks and get open at the proper spaces that Goff was throwing to and on top of that he had the costly fumble that really cost them because it was uh, getting close to the red zone for the Lions Um, so technically he's a starter right now with Jamison Williams suspended but I'd fade him going forward here then I wanted to just make quick mention of Jameer Gibbs and basically just to say, be patient. He showed his ex- explosiveness in this game. He showed how good he's going to be in this game. I know everybody really wants their top five pick to come out of the gate and really get them starter level points. And he didn't. He got around seven points in this game overall. But he averaged a good clip on the ground, and he looked explosive overall, whether it was running or receiving the ball. So just be patient. They've got David Montgomery there still. Eventually, Gibbs is going to be the lead guy. They didn't draft him at 12 overall for no reason. All right, moving on to the next game. Uh, My studs for Carolina and Atlanta, uh, Tyler Algier and Hayden Hurst for this game. 
So quickly for Tyler Algier, 15 carries, 75 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions for 19 yards. And Tyler Algier is supposed to be the backup here, the 1B to the 1A kind of thing for Bijan Robinson. And uh, it seemed like they really leaned into him in this game, and it's probably because he's the veteran and they probably want to ease in Bijan, kind of like I mentioned with Gibbs. Uh, I don't blame them. I think they know that uh, there's an actual rookie wall for these players, and if they have reliable players that they can count on to kind of take a little bit of that load off until they're ready to take that full load, why not? So it might be annoying from a fantasy perspective, but it is what it is. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the case every week, but if he produces like this, even without the touchdowns, he might be worthy of a flex play. So keep an eye on that. See if that's going to continue to be consistent going forward. Then Hayden Hurst for Carolina, five receptions on seven targets, 41 yards and one touchdown. He seemed to be one of Bryce Young's favorite targets in this game. He didn't have gaudy numbers or anything like that, but he did have the nice touchdown grab on the route to the flat where Bryce Young put it where only Hayden Hurst could get it and run after the catch into the end zone. Um, And, you know, I just like the trajectory here. Quarterbacks usually lean into tight ends, and Hayden Hurst is a decent one. So if you've got him in your league, uh, maybe he's a backup for you. But I think you can do a lot worse, and uh, he had a really great game in this one. On to my duds, and I unfortunately have to uh, name the two quarterbacks in this game, Bryce Young and Desmond Ritter. So for Bryce Young first, 20 of 38, 146 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, three carries for 17 yards, and a fumble. Bryce Young had his moments in this game. I mentioned the touchdown that he threw to Hayden Hurst, but he also had two really bad interceptions over the middle. And a concern of mine and a concern of a lot of people's was the height, the ability to see over the middle. And it's been proven through advanced stats that, at the very least, shorter quarterbacks have a hard time accessing that level of the field as consistently as other quarterbacks. They don't necessarily have to be bad at accessing that part of the field, but they're definitely not doing it as much, and that's a limiting factor. So to throw two bad interceptions over the middle, two of them that were very similar throws on uh, very similar concepts, really didn't look good for him. Uh, Obviously, you expect growth from there, and it was only his first game, but could not ignore it. And then Desmond Ritter, he was 15 of 18 for 115 yards, one touchdown, one carry for negative one yards, and he also had a reception for negative six yards and a fumble. Desmond Ritter, he played well enough to win the game for Atlanta, and that's what they did, and he didn't turn the ball over, but despite that, he didn't put up the numbers that you'd hope for. He wasn't involved at all in the rushing game, and with all the weapons that he has around them, whether it's Bijan, Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson, I know he wasn't in the game, but Drake London, Kyle Pitts, you just expect more. You don't want him to just be a trailer when uh, other guys can be trucks kind of pulling the team with them. So I don't expect him to be a truck, but I expect him to be a little bit more than this. You you expect him to be able to be a solid low-end quarterback too in Superflex, and he wasn't even that. And then quickly mentioning again, uh, Bijan Robinson, similar to Gibbs, he had 10 carries for 56 yards, 6 receptions for 27 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was a fantastic play. He made multiple guys miss in the open field and in a congested area. And he looked explosive. He looked exactly the way you expect. He only got 10 carries. But again, I think they're trying to save these guys for the long haul. For Houston and Baltimore, my studs are Zay Flowers and Nico Collins. So starting off with Zay Flowers for Baltimore, he had two carries for nine yards and he caught nine of ten targets for 78 yards. He did exactly what you would have expected him to do. He was a solid, reliable slot receiver. He got yards after catch and he caught most everything that came his way. You expected him to be able to start day one. And that's exactly what he did. And he was the best receiver for Baltimore on the day. Expect more of these days going forward, um, especially with the injury concerns for Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman. So I love this performance. I think you're going to get a lot more like this and maybe some touchdowns sprinkled in as well. 
And then to Nico Collins, he had six receptions on 11 targets for 80 yards. Not the most gaudy stats in the world, but it was good for about 11 points and half PPR. And he was the favorite target of C.J. Stroud. And who can blame him when the guy is huge and has good hands? I don't think he's the greatest route runner in the world, but I think this is even a huge step forward from everything we've seen in the first two years when he was catching balls from Davis Mills and basically putting up the same stat line year to year. And then I've got to make mention, unfortunately, of J.K. Dobbins. He was having a solid game to start for Baltimore, had a touchdown in the game, was looking pretty good, and unfortunately he tore his Achilles in this game. And this is after the guy had uh, torn his ACL and just recovered from that, and it just started to look like himself last year. You were expecting a lot from him this year, and just got a feel for the guy on a real-life sense. But in the fantasy sense... Moving on to the waiver warriors for this game, I've got Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Gus Edwards might not be available in your leagues, depending on how deep they are. Um, I have one league that he's available in, but that's a 10-team league with shallower benches that you're probably used to. Justice Hill, though, had two touchdowns on the game, even though he wasn't efficient. Still worth a pickup, especially in deep leagues, and uh, you just don't really know how this is going to shake out. You're assuming probably that it's going to be Gus Edwards as the main guy, but if Justice Hill was in there early before uh, Gus Edwards, to be honest, and uh, he was the one who they had on the goal line. Next, Cincinnati and Cleveland. My studs in this game are Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon. So quickly on Nick Chubb, 18 carries, 108 yards, four receptions for 21 yards. It was a classic Nick Chubb day. The only thing that was missing was a touchdown. He had about 14 points and half PPR. And even better than a classic Nick Chubb day, he had work out of the backfield as a receiver. And we heard about this, that this was going to be the case, and it happened. So thrilled to see that actually happen. Uh, his counterpart, Jerome Ford, had 15 carries for 38 yards, super inefficient, and he lost a fumble, and he didn't catch any passes. So expect going forward that Nick Chubb is not only the beast that he has been, but he's also going to be the pass-catching back as well, and might be relied on more with Jerome Ford losing a fumble in that game. And then moving on to Joe Mixon, he didn't have gaudy numbers or anything, and it was really hard to pick a stud in this game because there were a lot of really poor performances from Cincinnati but if I had to pick one it's Joe Mixon because he showed that he still has some juice left in the tank so 13 carries 56 yards three receptions on five targets for 17 yards he looked explosive he looked strong he was about the only thing other than a little bit of Jamar Chase that looked any good on the day for Cincinnati in an otherwise terrible game for them. Moving on to my duds, I've got Joe Burrow and Amari Cooper. So for Burrow, 14 of 31, only 82 yards, which is just gross, and one carry for negative one yard. Just one of the worst performances I've ever seen out of him, and like obviously the stats tell you that too, but if you watched it, he wasn't on the same page with his receivers at all. He was overthrowing guys when he was on the same page with them, but when he wasn't, just throwing in completely different areas and... That's what happens when you run an offense with a bunch of option routes in it, but you've seen him dissect defenses, and on top of that, he was sacked a bunch by the great defensive line of the Browns, and uh, they just frustrated him all day. So, horrible for performance for Burrow. Obviously, he's a stud. You expect a lot more going forward, but I gotta mention it because it was such a bad performance from a guy you expect to put up pretty gaudy numbers. And then to Amari Cooper, it wasn't the worst day in the world, but he was 3 of 7 on his targets for 37 yards, and that was good for about 5 points. You just expect more from a number 1 wide receiver in this offense, especially when you're hoping that he's finally got the chemistry and rapport with Deshaun Watson. Granted, it was a rainy day, and granted, Watson looked bad himself, but... You expect more. Uh, this is a guy you're going to put in your starting lineup probably every week unless you've got the greatest team of all time in fantasy. And then I'm going to make mention of Watson. The fantasy stats look pretty good. And the real life stats aren't terrible. 
But if you watch the game, he looked just as rusty as he did last year. Uh, again, rain was a factor, but there were throws where rain really was not a factor in making him miss guys. Uh, he was 16 to 29, 154 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He also had five carries for 45 yards, a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and a fumble. So it was a huge mixed bag for him. He did have about 20 points in half PPR formats, but if you watched it in real life, it just doesn't really make me hopeful for the rest of the season for him. Um, so we'll see what happens going forward. Moving on to Jacksonville and Indianapolis. My studs for the game are Anthony Richardson and Calvin Ridley. So starting with Richardson, 20 of 37, 223 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 10 carries for 40 yards and a touchdown. Not the most efficient game on the ground, but he did what you expected on the ground. He got a touchdown and he got some good yards. And he didn't look terrible passing the ball. He had a few balls that were behind receivers and as you know from me telling you and probably a bunch of other people telling you, one of the biggest criticisms for him is accuracy. He reads the field fairly well, but the accuracy, because of bad mechanics, is just not there yet. And that's going to be something that he's going to have to work through throughout the season. But I thought it was a good debut for him. He got around 21-22 points in half PPR formats. And... I just thought it was a great debut, debut, and it was the best debut of any of the rookie quarterbacks, so kudos to him on that. And then moving on to Calvin Ridley quickly. 8 of 11 receiving for 101 yards, one touchdown, and he did have a fumble, but he did recover it. Uh, Calvin Ridley looked like the Calvin Ridley of old. He was an absolute stud. He was getting open. He was absolutely destroying guys, and he was making things happen after the catch, and he was making strong catches as well. He had a really good rapport going on with Trevor Lawrence. They really started off hot in the first half and kind of died down in the second half. Most of the production did come in the first half, but I'll probably attribute that to still some growing pains with the two of them. And on top of that, Ridley, he really hasn't played for the majority of the last two years. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little bit more winded than a lot of the other guys. The conditioning probably isn't fully there for him yet. In the duds category here, I've got Deion Jackson and Christian Kirk. So Deion Jackson was the lead ball carrier for Indianapolis, and uh, it became even more so the case after Evan Hall got hurt, and now he's on IR as of today, unfortunately, with a knee injury. Uh, 13 carries for 14 yards, really gross stat line. 5 of 6 receiving, but for only 14 yards again, and he had two fumbles lost. Horrific performance from Deion Jackson. Uh, he had an opportunity here to take claim of the number one running back role, and he just kept getting stuffed over and over and over again. Jacksonville has a pretty good defensive line, but I don't know. I don't think there's really an excuse for this, but I don't think he's an ideal every down back either. I think he's more of a receiving back than anything. So if he's kind of put back to that kind of role, especially if Zach Moss can come back this week, I like Zach Moss as the running back one going forward, depending on the whole Jonathan Taylor situation, at least for the next three games with Jonathan Taylor on pop. So we'll see there, but I'm fading Deion Jackson hard, especially with the two fumbles too. And then Christian Kirk, he had one reception on three targets for only nine yards. Obviously Calvin Ridley's the guy now in Jacksonville, but I think everybody expected more from Christian Kirk, especially moving to the slot where he's going to, get a two-way go a free release for the most part and he had such a good rapport with Trevor Lawrence last year I didn't watch this game fully so I don't know if maybe Indianapolis really dialed in on him or something like that but really disappointing for performance for a guy that a lot of people are starting in their leagues weekly and then I have a waiver warrior in this game and it's not a fantastic one but again for deeper leagues here kylan granson the tight end for indianapolis uh, he was four of six receiving for 39 yards good for between five and six points and half ppr um he looked to be the guy for indianapolis with jelani woods out uh, mo alley cox and alec ogletree were in but they didn't really do anything and kylan granson got the most targets and the most work 
In fact, he had a snap share of 61%, which is the best out of all the other guys. So I think, at least for now, until Jelani Woods is back, Kylan Granson is the guy at tight end for Indianapolis. And in deeper leagues, I think he's worth a pickup if you're desperate for a tight end or if you need a backup. All right, moving on to Tampa Bay and Minnesota. My studs for this game are Mike Evans and Jordan Addison. And before I go into them, obviously mentioning Justin Jefferson did Justin Jefferson things, and that's why I'm not going to say too much about him here. Uh, so Mike Evans for the Bucks, Six receptions on 10 targets for 66 yards and a touchdown. You might say to me that Mike Evans probably falls in the category of guys you expect to have a good game, but... Last year was pretty disappointing for him, other than one like really big game that he had, I think, against Carolina late in the year. Um, really padded his stats and got him over that 1,000-yard mark. And for a guy who's been as consistent as he is, and with the rumors that he's going to be traded, I just wanted to highlight him and just kind of show that this guy still has it. He had a solid stat line for this game, especially with a mediocre quarterback like Baker Mayfield throwing to him. Kudos to him, and uh, if you've got Mike Evans, this might be a good opportunity to trade him in Dynasty to see if you can get some value for a guy that still has some production left in him. And then moving on to Jordan Addison, the young guy from Minnesota, four receptions on six targets for 61 yards and a touchdown, good for about 14 points and half PPR. By the way, Mike Evans good for about 15 points and half PPR. Addison looked the part. He's the number two in this offense. I know there was some weird thing about possibly K.J. Osborne being the number two in this offense. It was never going to happen. It made no sense. Uh, K.J. Osborne is a number three through and through. And Addison absolutely looked the part. The route that he ran on the touchdown where Kirk Cousins hit him with an absolute just seed of a ball uh, was excellent. Just absolutely juked out his corner and toasted the safety who was trying to help over the top just looked absolutely like he belonged in the league and he's going to be a great compliment to Justin Jefferson going forward here moving on to my duds I've got Rashad White and uh, the Minnesota running backs on the whole uh, starting with Rashad White he had 17 carries for 39 yards two receptions for 10 yards Good for about five, five and a half points and half PPR. Really just underwhelming performance for Rashad White. And we probably didn't expect too much from him, but he's a starting running back on an offense. That offense does have a really bad offensive line, though. And I just wish I would have seen more receiving work for him because that's really what fits his skill set, the receiving work. And I like guys like Rashad White who had that receiving skill set because I always think that that's something that, well, if the running game isn't working, at least we can lean on the receiving skill set and dink and dunk it to kind of supplement our running game. And they didn't even do that with him. So that was really disappointing to see. Really not sure how to forecast him going forward. He did get the bulk of the carries, but maybe Sean Tucker gets some more looks next week. We'll see. And then the Minnesota running backs on the whole. Alexander Madison had an okay game from a fantasy perspective, but if you're looking at it from a real-life perspective, it really wasn't that great. So he had 11 carries for 34 yards, three receptions on four targets for 10 yards, and a touchdown. The touchdown saved him in this game. Otherwise, it would have been a really disappointing game for him. Didn't get enough of the volume for me to like, especially when they moved on from Delvin Cook for this guy to be the lead back. Really disappointing to see him only get 11 carries. Um, was good for around 11, 12 points and half PPR, but still not really good enough. I don't expect anything crazy for him, but you expect more, I think. And then Ty Chandler, uh, the backup here, three carries for zero yards, uh, one reception for 18 yards. I thought he was going to have a bigger role as the running back too because I'm not a big believer in Alexander Madison as a number one running back. And they really just didn't lean into these guys as much as they probably should have and probably could have pulled out this win against Tampa Bay if they had gone to the running game just a little bit more. And then my mention for this game and maybe a waiver warrior for not super deep leagues, 
Trey Palmer, uh, the rookie wide receiver from the Bucks, uh, two receptions on three targets for eight yards and a touchdown. Not a gaudy stat line, but he did have the touchdown, and he is a starting slot receiver for Tampa Bay with Russell Gage Hurt. I've mentioned it before. Um, if he is available for you, pick him up immediately. If he's on your taxi squad, leave him there for now until the production goes up. But it's a good sign for the trust that he's building with Baker Mayfield going forward. Tennessee and New Orleans. My studs for this game are Rashid Shahid and, of all people, a kicker, Nick Folk. Uh, so, for New Orleans, Rashid Shahid, two carries for 11 yards, five receptions on six targets for 89 yards, one touchdown, one fumble lost. A little bit of a mixed bag here, but I really liked what I saw from him, especially on the long touchdown pass from Derek Carr to him. He looked explosive. He picked up where he left off late last season as a UDFA burner down the field. And you don't like the fumble loss, but you do like the trust that Derek Carr showed in him, the fact that he reeled in the majority of his targets, the vast majority of them, and that he had the long touchdown. So I like projecting him going forward pretty well in this offense. I think he, I think he can be a solid flex piece in this offense going forward. And then... There wasn't really much to mention as far as studs for uh, Tennessee, so I had to mention their kicker, who had a really gaudy stat line, for a kicker at least. 5 of 5 on all his field goals. Um, he had 2 from 20 to 29 yards, 1 from 30 to 39, 1 from 40 to 49, and 1 from 50 plus. They just traded for him. Tennessee has had kicker woes for the longest time, so good for them. It seems like they might have found their kicker for at least this year. Moving on to my duds, I've got Ryan Tannehill and Jamal Williams. Tannehill had maybe one of the ugliest games of the week. 16 to 34, 198 yards, three interceptions, three carries for five yards. Just atrocious game from him. I saw a bit of this during uh, the red zone clips, and some of the interceptions he threw just under throwing guys, especially especially underthrowing them severely on back shoulder balls. You want to underthrow a guy on a back shoulder. You don't want to to the extent he did. He just looked lost out there. This is a guy who's supposed to be a veteran quarterback out there, and he just looked like he didn't even belong. I don't want to sound the alarms yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if uh, another performance like this prompts Tennessee to maybe look toward uh, Malik Willis or, if healthy, Will Levis sooner rather than later. And then Jamal Williams, uh, 18 carries, 45 yards, two receptions for seven yards and a fumble. Good for about five points in half PPR formats. By the way, Tannehill, about two points, really bad. Um, Jamal Williams didn't have the worst game in the world, but you expected more from a guy who had the production that he did last year. And especially from a guy who pretty much had the reins for this running back role for this week and it's going to look like for the next two weeks with Kendry Miller hurt and Elvin Kamara suspended right now. So again, I just don't like the performance based on the fact that he had the bulk of the work. Uh, Tony Jones, the backup only had one carry for five yards. So they put a lot of trust in Williams for him to basically do nothing. And uh, that showed up on the stat sheet for your fantasy game as well. Then just a mention here quickly of Michael Thomas, five receptions on eight targets for 61 yards. Not a great, fantastic stat line, but he showed he can still be productive despite the injury history that he has, and he might be worth a pickup maybe for a third-round pick if you can get him, maybe a late second or something like that if you're really desperate for wide receiver help in Dynasty. Moving on to San Francisco and Pittsburgh. My studs for this game were Brandon Ayuk and Najee Harris. Uh, starting with Brandon Ayuk, uh, he had eight receptions on all eight of his targets for 129 yards and two touchdowns. He and Brock Purdy really had it going against Pittsburgh in their corners. And if you watch this game, you probably saw the touchdown pass from Purdy to Ayuk where he threw the back shoulder ball, a perfect ball, and an even better catch from Ayuk. He just absolutely had it going, and he's a better traditional receiver than Debo Samuel, so I like that projecting forward, especially because Brock Purdy is a kind of traditional quarterback, other than the fact that he can extend plays within and just outside the pocket. 
And then you might be scratching your head as to why I said Najee Harris for the stud for Pittsburgh. Well, first of all, they didn't have a stud in this game in my eyes. Uh, but also, I like the efficiency from Najee Harris. Just really the game script took everything away from him. So he had eight carries for 31 yards, two receptions for two yards. Good for about four points. So four points isn't great. But if you're in a normal game script for Pittsburgh where they're going to want to ground and pound it and really push it to the limits with the physicality, Najee Harris is going to get more carries in those games. This was a week one game. They can be a little fluky. San Francisco is fantastic, but I don't expect Najee Harris to only get six carries every game. And again, he was efficient on his carries. So even though I'm not the biggest Najee Harris fan in the world, he was the only guy I could pick from this game for Pittsburgh. My duds for this game are George Kittle and Kenny Pickett. So Kittle was 3 of 6 receiving for 19 yards, good for about 3 points. He was questionable going into this game, but I thought that knowing the injury history with him, if San Francisco was really uncomfortable with putting him in there, they wouldn't have. Especially with how they ended up playing this game, they had to have been confident going into it. So, Kittle, for how much he costs in redraft or startups, or the fact that you might have traded a decent second round pick or something like that for him, really not the numbers you're looking for from a number one tight end, and pretty disappointing day from him. And then Kenny Pickett, after all the fanfare in the preseason and the hype, 31 of 46, 232 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, one carry for four yards, good for about 10 points. Didn't absolutely kill you getting that 10 points, but he didn't help you either. Uh, you just expect more from Kenny Pickett. You expect him to take a step. He threw it 46 times and to only throw for 232 yards is really disappointing. Um, and he turned the ball over too much in this game. It, it was on stupid plays. So I expect better from him going forward, but, man, with all the hype that Pittsburgh had and Kenny Pickett had, especially coming out of camp and uh, the preseason, really disappointing to see that this was the performance they put up. Going to Arizona and Washington, uh, the battle of probably two of the worst teams in the league. My studs for this game, Arizona's defense and special teams. Who would have thought I'd be saying that at the beginning of this game? And Sam Howell. So starting with the defense for Arizona, they had one interception. They allowed only 20 points in this game. They had six sacks, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and a touchdown on one of those fumble recoveries. Really good performance by then. They got a ton of pressure on Sam Howell. They made him look uncomfortable. Especially if you saw that fumble recovery touchdown from him. He just looked absolutely lost on the play. Uh, kudos to Arizona. Even though they seem to be a team on the outside looking in that's tanking, the players definitely aren't tanking. And I've said that before. Front offices tank. Teams and coaches don't. Then Sam Howell, even though he looked uncomfortable in this game, I had to mention him as the stud. Uh, he was 19-31, 202 yards, one touchdown, one interception, two carries for 11 yards, one touchdown on the ground, and a fumble lost. Mixed bag performance from him, and it's kind of what you expect going forward for Sam Howell. He's a fairly raw guy. I, I shouldn't even say raw, but he was drafted in the fifth round. He's not the most toolsy guy in the world. He's got a decent arm. He's got decent athleticism, but... Given the draft profile, you don't expect too much from him, and he was a surprise starter coming out of last year uh, for Washington here. And these are the types of performances I expect from him, where the ceiling is going to be somewhere around a, a high-end quarterback, too, in Superflex, but the floor is probably going to be a low-end quarterback, too, in Superflex, especially with the rushing floor that he presents. He didn't have as much rushing production as you would have hoped in this game, but maybe more going forward. I'm a little concerned about how uncomfortable and bad he looked against a bad Arizona team, but let's see if that carries over into next week. Next, my duds in this game. I am not shocked by this one. Uh, Josh Dobbs and then Antonio Gibson for Washington. 21 of 30 for Josh Dobbs, 132 yards, three carries, negative three yards, three fumbles, and two of them lost. 
horrific day for Josh Dobbs. And why would you be surprised that a guy who was a street free agent last year, who was just traded for by the Arizona Cardinals from the Cleveland Browns, would put up a good performance? You shouldn't expect that from him. Uh, anybody who is starting him, I'm sorry that you're in that situation. Uh, he was good for about negative two points as a starter for Arizona in this game. Uh, I expect them to sooner rather than later move on to Clayton Toon to give them some kind of spark because Josh Dobbs isn't going to do it for you. And then Antonio Gibson, a guy who a lot of people expected was going to be the kind of Jarek McKinnon role in this offense with Eric Bieniemy coming over from Kansas City. He had three carries for nine yards, one reception for 10 yards, and a fumble lost. Good for negative half a point. Really disappointing performance for this guy. He was seen as a sneaky kind of flex play in fantasy. Even though you're not expecting the world out of your flex plays, you expect more than this. I don't know if it's going to get better going forward, but the fumbles rear their ugly head again. And Antonio Gibson has just gotten progressively worse and worse every year that he's been in the league. Green Bay and Chicago, classic rivalry here. My studs in this game, Jordan Love and Roshan Johnson. Talking about Jordan Love here, 15-27, 245 yards, three touchdowns, three carries for 12 yards, and a fumble, but didn't lose it. Good for about 25 points in half PPR formats. Jordan Love, he wasn't perfect on the day, but he showed enough and he played well enough to make Packers fans believe that he is the next guy to take over after Aaron Rodgers and... Lucky them if that's the case because they've gone from Favre to Rodgers, potentially to Love as a good starter here. Um, I liked a lot of the throws I saw. He had some good timing on back shoulder throws. He had some nice deep throws as well. The connection with Dobbs is really there, and I was shocked by that just because Dobbs was uh, seen as questionable coming into this game. But I like him projecting going forward as a... Mid-tier quarterback two in Superflex right now has the potential to climb up those rankings, though, going forward. And then Roshan Johnson, the rookie for Chicago. He had five carries for 20 yards, one touchdown, six receptions on seven targets for 35 yards. I like the receiving work he got, and I like that he showed a lot of physicality when he was running And he just offers something different than Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert. And that is that he offers what both of them offer. He offers decent speed and receiving ability. And he also offers power. Uh, Khalil Herbert has the receiving ability and speed. And Deontay Foreman has the power. And Roshan Johnson has uh, quite a bit of both. And he's not the starter right now. Herbert and Foreman got the majority of the carries. But I think... Sooner rather than later in this offense, Roshan Johnson's going to take claim of the number one running back role, even if it is still going to be a committee going forward. Then my duds in this game, I have A.J. Dillon and D.J. Moore. So A.J. Dillon, 13 carries, 18 yards, two receptions on three targets for 17 yards, good for about four and a half points and half BPR. Really disappointing performance from another guy, speaking of Antonio Gibson, another guy who is seen as a solid flex play because he is the 1B to Aaron Jones's 1A. Aaron Jones had a fantastic game, and I won't mention that because, again, he is a stud, and you expect him to be a stud most weeks in and out. But A.J. Dillon, he's been a solid flex play for the last couple years here. He tailed off a little bit last year, but... Just disappointing performance from him, from him, especially from an efficiency standpoint. You expect more from a power back, and I don't know. I, I just don't like the trajectory he's been on as well. And then moving on to DJ Moore for the Bears. Their number one target, the guy that they sought from Carolina in their trade. Two of two receiving, 25 yards, good for three and a half points and half PPR. Just disgusting performance. The fact that they didn't target him more than two times in this game was absolutely atrocious. I saw the two targets and receptions, and I really thought that that was when they were going to get him cooking. It was uh, late in the second quarter, I believe. 
and he hadn't had a reception up to that point, and he got two on the same drive, I think on back-to-back plays. I'm like, all right, here goes DJ Moore. He's going to get cooking now. It took them a little while, but they're going to design stuff for him and get him the ball. Nope. Chicago didn't challenge down the field, and they didn't try to get it to DJ Moore after that really disappointing performance. Although it really isn't DJ Moore's fault. Then I do have a mention here and maybe a guy who's a waiver warrior as well, depending on your league uh, size and format, whatnot. Uh, Tyler Scott, fourth round pick out of this year. Really liked his receiving profile coming out of this draft. He had two receptions on two targets for 14 yards. Nothing gaudy, but he was involved in the game. I expect him to get involved even more going forward. And something to keep an eye on. As we go forward through this season, rookies usually emerge later in the season. Vegas and Denver. My studs in this game are Jacoby Myers and Russell Wilson. So Jacoby Myers for the Raiders, 9 receptions on 10 targets, 81 yards and 2 touchdowns. He had a really good rapport going with Jimmy G, had some really nice touchdown grabs as well, and just... I don't know, looked like the guy that maybe New England probably should have kept there instead of getting uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, whose knees reportedly might explode, which is a ridiculous thing to say, but that's what the report is. Regardless, uh, it looks like New England West got the better end of that deal there. And then Russell Wilson, it wasn't a gaudy stat line for him, but I like that it was kind of a bounce back from last year from an efficiency standpoint and from the standpoint of not turning the ball over. So Russell Wilson was 27 of 34, 177 yards, two touchdowns, one carry for one yard. You'd like to see more rushing production from him, especially because we heard that he slimmed down to rush the ball more, and you'd like to see more yards per attempt. But with the receivers he was working with, I mean, Cortland Sutton was basically the only real guy going out there for him. And he still had two touchdowns and no turnovers in the game. It wasn't the greatest performance ever, but I like it as a little bit of a bounce back for Russ, and hopefully he can keep putting up these quarterback two and super flex numbers. And my duds for this game, a pair of tight ends. I've got Michael Mayer for the Raiders and Greg Dulcich for the Broncos. And I didn't see a ton of this game, so I don't really know what happened with these guys, but for Michael Mayer... He had no stats recorded, wasn't even targeted in the game. And this guy was drafted in the second round to be their starting tight end. So I don't know if he was blocking more than anything or what, but he's got a good receiving profile coming out too, so I was shocked to see that he wasn't used in the passing game, especially considering the fact that Jimmy G had such a good rapport with George Kittle in San Francisco. Then Greg Dulcich, two receptions on two targets for 22 yards. Good for about three points and half PPR. Obviously that part's disappointing, but the other disappointing part of this is the fact that Adam Troutman, the other tight end in the room with them, is getting the majority of the targets. He had five receptions on five targets for 34 yards, and there were rumors uh, before the season that Sean Payton was favoring Troutman over Dulcich and that's really disappointing to hear I know Troutman has history with Sean Payton so maybe there's a level of trust there maybe Dulcich isn't picking up the offense as quickly and as in depth as they'd like him to but with what he showed last year it's really disappointing to see Greg Dulcich get off to this kind of start especially seeding targets to a guy in Adam Troutman who really just does not have the dynamic athleticism that Greg Dulcich has next we have Philly and New England My studs in this game are Kendrick Bourne and Jake Elliott, the kicker. So Kendrick Bourne, as a starting receiver in this game, was 6 of 11 receiving for 64 yards and two touchdowns. Mac Jones went to him often, and he went to him in clutch moments, uh, and it was to try to claw back into this game, and Kendrick Bourne looked good in this game. He's out of the doghouse now that Matt Patricia isn't there. I mentioned him in my Deep Value podcast last week, and he should definitely be on your radar as a guy to target in deep leagues for a trade, maybe trade a third or fourth round pick for him, and in shallower leagues, pick him up immediately off of waivers. He's just got a good rapport with Mac Jones, and he was really 
stunted in that offense last year by Matt Patricia. Then the kicker here, Jake Elliott, four of four on field goals, one from 30 to 39, one from 40 to 49, and two from 50 plus. Plus, he had one of two on extra points. You don't like that he missed the extra point, but the field goal kicking was fantastic from him, especially in bad weather. Then my duds in this game, I have Juju Smith-Schuster for the Patriots and Dallas Godert for the Eagles. Smith-Schuster was 4 of 7 receiving for 33 yards. I mentioned him a moment ago, uh, the whole knee thing, so that's a concern for him. But on top of that, this is supposed to be the guy that's the number one in this offense, the guy that you decided to replace, Jacoby Myers, the guy that you groomed in your offense over all these years to be the number one receiver, or at least the number two receiver in this offense and you replace him with Juju Smith-Schuster, and this is the kind of performance you get from him. Really disappointing. Maybe there's more to come with uh, growth in the relationship between Mac Jones and Smith-Schuster, but you're concerned about the injury, and I've never been a Smith-Schuster fan, especially since Antonio Brown was not his running mate. Then Dallas Goder. He had one target and zero receptions on that target. Really disappointing performance from a guy who's a top-tier tight end, two in fantasy. You can't have just a goose egg when you're a tight end, especially a position where points are already hard to come by. Really letting down whoever started him in fantasy. Not that he cares, but, you know, from the perspective of us guys in fantasy, really disappointing performance. Then I've got two mentions in this game, and one of those mentions is a guy who might be a waiver warrior for you, depending on your league. Uh, the first guy I'm mentioning here is Demario Douglas. He's the guy who I'd say is a waiver warrior here. Four of re- four of seven receiving for 40 yards. Good for about six points in this game and half PPR. Not the greatest performance in the world, but Demario Douglas was drafted late by the Patriots, and he didn't have an exciting profile coming out, but he's shown out in camp and the preseason, made the team, and he seems to have developed a rapport with Mac Jones. I mentioned earlier, the last couple weeks, that he was playing with Mac Jones in the preseason with the starters, and I like the trajectory going forward here. If he's not on your team and he's available, scoop him up. And if he is on your taxi squad, leave him there for now until the production goes up. Then Kenny Gainwell for the Eagles. I mention him here because we didn't really know how this running back room was going to shake out. A lot of the assumption was it was going to be DeAndre Swift, then Rashad Penny, then Kenneth Gainwell with Boston Scott mixed in there as well. And Kenneth Gainwell got the majority of the carries in this game. He had 14 carries, 54 yards, 4 receptions for 20 yards. He is dealing with an injury right now. It's a rib injury, but he got 62% of the snap share in this game, and he got the vast majority of the production and usage in this game. So Philly seems to trust him. He might not be the most dynamic guy back there, but I think there's something to the fact that he was with them last year and knows the offense. If I'm picking anybody from this backfield right now, it's probably Kenneth Gainwell based on the way they used him in the first game. Next, we have Miami and the L.A. Chargers. And I mentioned that I'm not going to go with the most obvious guys in the world here for studs. But when it's something as gaudy as this stat line, it's hard to ignore. And I just can't not mention it. Uh, Tyreek Hill and then uh, Josh Kelly for the Chargers. So Tyreek Hill had 11 receptions on 15 targets for 215 yards and two touchdowns. He absolutely torched the L.A. Chargers. Every time he was open, he was open by multiple yards, and Tua was hitting him in stride perfectly. They just had no answer for the guy. They were single covering him uh, about 60% of the time, I heard, which is insane. You don't single cover him and Waddle for 60% of the game. Absolutely ridiculous game plan that they had in this, and they couldn't stop him, and it cost them the win. And then Joshua Kelly, he's not the starter, Austin Eckler, and Austin Eckler had a fantastic game himself, but again, not trying to mention guys you expect to be studs unless they put up stat lines that are really noteworthy. Josh Kelly had 16 carries for 91 yards and one touchdown. Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator coming over from the Cowboys, has a history of using a committee backfield, and it looks like he might be doing that here in L.A., 
And it wasn't just that Josh Kelly was grinding it out late or anything, salting away the game. He was mixed in the entire game. He got just as many carries as Austin Eckler did. He got fewer touches and less snap share, but he got just as many carries. I expect him to be splitting the load with Austin Eckler, leaning toward Austin Eckler, obviously. He's the better player, and you want the ball in his hands more. But Josh Kelly is a worthy guy to have on your bench as a handcuff and possibly a flex play if this continues going forward. In my duds, I have Raheem Mostert and Gerald Everett. Might be scratching your head at Raheem Mostert based on the fantasy production. He did have 12 points and half PPR. But just looking at the real-life production, 10 carries, 37 yards, a touchdown, two receptions for 13 yards, like some other guys I mentioned earlier in other games, saved by the touchdown. If not for that, really would have looked ugly for him. So I don't like those kind of stat lines, and I was shocked that Miami didn't use him more. They clearly had the right game plan because Tua and Hill absolutely torched L.A., but I was shocked based on how things ended for Miami last year and how much they should have run the ball and leaned into that, that they didn't this time around, uh, especially with uh, other guys hurt like Jeff Wilson and Devin A-Chain. I thought they were going to lean on Mostert more. He did get the majority of the carries, but it was minimal work and minimal production on that. Then Gerald Everett, the tight end, one carry for two yards and two receptions on three targets for 21 yards. Really disappointing performance from a guy who's supposed to be the starting tight end on this team. And on top of that, he was outperformed by his backup, Donald Parham, who had three receptions for 21 yards and a touchdown. So hopefully the production can tick up going forward for Gerald Everett. It's not like he's a stud tight end, but he's somewhere in that mid to low tier tight end range. And he's at least startable in fantasy, but if he's going to produce like that, you may as well leave him on your bench. Rams and Seahawks. My studs in this game, Puka Nakua and DK Metcalf. Puka Nakua, the rookie, 10 receptions on 15 targets for 119 yards. I unfortunately didn't really see much, if any, of this in red zone. Uh, Maybe just... The nature of where he caught the ball but the stat line is gaudy and you did like the opportunity for him with a solid profile coming out of college so expect some production going forward for him uh, especially with the rapport that he showed with Matthew Stafford I don't know if it's going to be like this every week but I think he can at least be solid and then DK Metcalf one of the more obvious guys yeah but there wasn't really much to pick from in this game for Seattle so I went with him Three receptions on five targets for 47 yards and one touchdown. The touchdown grab, uh, he absolutely destroyed the corner on his route uh, on the touchdown grab. And he looked fantastic early on. And then Seattle fizzled out, and so did he, unfortunately. But he was the only guy with anything even close to noteworthy in this game for Seattle. And then in the duds category, L.A. for... Cam Akers and Tyler Lockett for Seattle. So Akers, 22 carries for 29 yards and one touchdown. He was outcarried, not outcarried, but he was outproduced by Kyron Williams, who had 52 yards on 15 carries and two touchdowns. Cam Akers, I liked him coming into this year, especially with how he ended last year, but it looks like similar to last year's start. He did get a little more run late in the game after he was replaced in the middle of the game by Kyron Williams to grind things out, and the touchdown saved him, but really ugly stat line. Something to monitor going forward here to see if Cam Akers has really lost something, if he's going to lose the job, or if it was just a really bad game where Seattle was dialed in on stopping him. Then Tyler Lockett for Seattle, two receptions on four targets for 10 yards, good for only two points here. Really disappointing performance for him. I know he had a concussion in the game, but even early on, he really wasn't getting the production that you wanted, and Geno Smith missed him several times, Uh, and I think there was a drop as well from Tyler Lockett. So just a disappointing performance from a guy that a lot of people are depending on as a starting wide receiver on their fantasy team. 
And then a waiver warrior for this game. I've got Tutu Atwell. Six receptions on eight targets for 119 yards. So similar production to Puka Nakua. I'm not a big fan of Tutu Atwell, but he does have speed to burn. And he had the opportunity in this game. Maybe he matched up well against Seattle. Maybe he's taken a step. I really don't know here. But I think he's worth an add in deep leagues just to see if it is something catching lightning in a bottle. Two more games here. Dallas and the Giants. My studs. All I've got for studs, uh, I've got one for Dallas, and that's the Dallas defense and special teams. And I couldn't reasonably pick a stud for the Giants. Nobody stood out. Maybe Saquon Barkley, but... He's a guy who falls into the category of guys that I expect to be studs, and he didn't do that. So I only have one stud in this game, and it's the Dallas defense and special teams. And if you watch the game like the rest of America, you saw exactly why. Two interceptions, they allowed zero points, seven sacks on Daniel Jones, three forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, two touchdowns, and a blocked field goal. Just from the word go... The moment they blocked that field goal and took all the momentum out of the Giants, it was over for them. And the Giants kept turning the ball over, kept going three and out. Daniel Jones kept getting sacked, too much pressure in his face. Dallas didn't even perform well on offense, but man, they just made it hard for Daniel Jones and that New York offense all day. I don't expect games like this, but they got 40 points as a DST. That's noteworthy. Moving on to my duds in this game, I've got Dak Prescott and the New York Giants wide receivers. So quickly on Prescott, 13-24, 143 yards, one carrying six yards. No turnovers for Dak, but he didn't perform very well. He wasn't efficient. He didn't throw for any touchdowns. He just wasn't his best performance. He didn't have to perform well, so... Maybe that's part of it, but he certainly didn't look crisp early on in the game. And you expect him to be better than this going forward. Then the Giants receivers. Really bad performance overall from these guys. And that was uh, obviously a product of how the defense for Dallas played. But Darius Slayton was the best receiver of the bunch. And he had three receptions on five targets for 15 yards. So disappointing from Campbell, Slayton, Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt, and Sterling Shepard. Somebody's got to step up in that offense. Uh, And Isaiah Hodgins had a fumble lost. So, yeah, really disappointing performance from these guys. And finally, the game that kept me up late Monday night and not able to produce a podcast going into Tuesday morning, the Bills and the Jets. Obviously a huge Bills fan here, as I've mentioned before. And what a just crap performance from the Bills. Let's get into it here. My studs from this game, notably Josh Allen. There were plenty of Bills who played well in this game, I should say. One of them being Stefan Diggs, and he's an obvious stud, but you know what? I picked him because not only was he a stud, he did it against another stud. He did it against Sauce Gardner. He had 10 receptions on 13 targets, 102 yards, and one touchdown. He was cooking sauce all night long and when he wasn't on sauce he was cooking DJ Reed as well they couldn't stop him the only thing that stopped him was Josh Allen forcing the ball to him when he shouldn't have and then Brees Hall my stud for the Jets 10 carries 127 yards one reception on two targets for 20 yards and he did have a fumble but it went out of bounds luckily for the Jets and Brees Hall looked explosive he did tail off at the end of his runs so maybe there's some explosiveness and uh, long speed to get back for him but he looked exactly like the guy that you saw last year uh, a guy who if you give him even a little bit of a crease or a little bit of space he's absolutely gone and again the only reason that he didn't have a touchdown in this game is because he ran out of gas late and I think that's a conditioning and uh, further recovery part of this process for him, but he got huge chunk plays whenever he was called on. Then my duds for this game, rightfully so, Josh Allen, 29th 41, 236, a touchdown, three interceptions, six carries, 36 yards, two fumbles, and one loss. 
horrendous game from Allen. If you watched it, it wasn't that the Jets confused him. It wasn't that they were getting a crazy amount of pressure on him, although they did get a decent amount of pressure on him. It was because he was forcing things. And I'm a huge, big Josh Allen fan, and I'll defend the guy to the end of the earth, but at a certain point, you cannot force things when you don't need to. He let the Jets hang in this game, and I'm kind of ranting about just Josh Allen in this game more than the fantasy perspective really quick, so bear with me for a second. But, man, he just did this all to himself. He was really carving them up from a dink and dunk perspective and being patient for most of the game. But every now and then, he'd just get that itch to throw it into double coverage for no reason when... He didn't look anybody off and didn't trick anybody into coming off of their coverage. And he got picked three times because of it. And it was just an absolute joke of a performance and they deserve to lose because of it. And from the fantasy perspective, you expect way more than eight points from your stud, supposed to be top two quarterback in fantasy. Absolutely atrocious from him. The worst performance I've ever seen from him. And then for the Jets, Tyler Conklin, one reception for two yards. Good for less than a fantasy point. Probably not all his fault, especially with how the game changed when Aaron Rodgers went down. But disappointing performance for, from a guy that you might have expected that they'd maybe lean on the tight end for some easy button throws for Zach Wilson once he went in. Uh, they didn't do that, though. And, I don't know, Conklin's a solid low-end tight end to start in fantasy and uh, can't have performances like this. And then my mention is obviously Rodgers. Devastating to see. Even though I'm a Bills fan, you don't want to see that kind of stuff. Horrible that it happened so early in his tenure with the Jets and the season's over because of it. Hopefully he can recover and play next year. But for anybody who hasn't been fantasy, it's time to either... Scrap him for parts or hold on to him. I'd probably hold on to him at this point because the value you're going to get right now trading him to somebody who's going to hold on to him for the whole year instead of you just really isn't there. Keep tabs on the recovery. Hope he can recover and play next year. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate though. That's a Hall of Fame quarterback and you don't want to see that be the way that things might end for him. And I've got a little bit of a waiver warrior here in Deontay Hardy for the Bills. Uh, three receptions on four targets for only nine yards, and he had a carry for four yards. But he was involved. They were manufacturing touches for him. He was effectively the starting slot receiver for the Bills, even though I thought it was going to be Trent Sherfield. Um, maybe it was just by design for this game because it seemed like they were really leaning into the short stuff other than when Allen got impatient. So maybe take this with a little grain of salt, but if you're looking for a guy in a super deep league that might be available, that might get touches week in and week out, I think you can do worse than taking a flyer on Hardy if you have the space on your bench. All right, so that's going to do it for today. Thanks for tuning in for this episode. Check back next week for the same thing, but for week two. If you liked what I had to say, disagreed with what I had to say, or have your own studs and duds or waiver warriors, honorable mentions that you want to mention, hit me up on Twitter at YakFantasyPod. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and catch you next week.